Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Saturday, March 11th. Did the chickens come home to roost last night? We'll find out. This is the Midwest Farm Report. I'll bet there are a lot of people out there that started yesterday afternoon and are still working, especially with the weather that we've seen across the state of Wisconsin. It's a Thursday morning, everybody. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. It's a complicated Thursday as far as weather is concerned. It really depends where you are, and we saw that unfolding yesterday. Of course, Stumacher Ag Meteorologist has as many details as he can pull together at this hour of the day, coming up in about 15 minutes. So today is really where the... I have to say the lion's share of the precipitation could be coming through. Our daytime highs today are expected to be right around 32 degrees. Now, yesterday, depending on where you were, you could have picked up ice, sleet, a combination of all snow. It was part of the reason why the U.S. Championship Cheese event in Green Bay had to accelerate judging so they could get their volunteers and judges on the way home yesterday. Today, they will still announce the championship, though. I've got details on that. Like I said, winter weather advisories persist really across our entire listing area today into tomorrow morning. We'll have more details in just a little bit. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is the direction that the world is going. I know our customers really have to look at the bottom dollar. This needs to financially make sense, but this is one of those rare things that really it's not just nice for your wallet, but it's also nice for the planet and for the earth. And uh, it's pretty fun to be part of it. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. As snow accumulates off and on this winter, Farm building safety and maintenance are integral in preventing total roof collapse. I'm Charity Seebecker from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. David Bonhoff, professional engineer and emeritus professor of structural building and construction engineering at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, says the key causes of agricultural buildings collapsing during the winter aren't necessarily due to the snow, but a failure in the structure's engineering. The snow is just the tipping point of what can create a domino effect of things going wrong. A typically balanced snow load where we have a nice uniform snowfall onto a roof typically is not a problem. The issue is when we get a snowfall and then we have a wind that accompanies that snowfall and blows that snow to a particular area of the roof where it accumulates. That typically can be over the top of the ridge or it can be in the valley where there are two intersecting roofs. And if the building hasn't been adequately designed to handle those loads, you could be looking at a potential structural failure. Farmers that have had their buildings properly engineered typically wouldn't be looking at those sort of problems, but we do have a lot of of agricultural buildings, probably the majority of agricultural buildings that aren't structurally engineered, meaning that they're not specifically engineered for the application or the location, and that presents those sort of problems. You know, there are still things you can do 
if you do have snowfalls and you have these bad drifts, you obviously can try to remove that snow. You have to be very careful how you do that. In a lot of cases, these buildings are very large, so it becomes very difficult, meaning that you can't maybe pull the snow off the roof from the edge of the roof. There's a lot of farmers that have equipment that can get them up to the eave where they can try to pull it off without going on the roof. You really do not want to go on the roof, particularly if there's already heavy snow on there. You're just adding weight to it. And then you have to be careful about what type of equipment you use so that you don't ruin the roof. Then you're just setting yourself up for other problems that aren't snow-related, you know, roof leaks being a principal problem. How many agriculture structure buildings collapse each year? How many collapses happen? It really does vary by location, by the year. It's really a matter of if we have a fairly heavy snowfall in a particular region. And we do seem to get one of those, I would say, maybe every other year. Lately, I think with uh, the climate change that is occurring, we're getting some slower moving fronts, which tend to drop a lot more precipitation. We seem to get heavier rainfalls because of slower moving fronts. And again, they're really not an issue if your building's been properly engineered. You shouldn't see farm buildings failing at any greater rate than you would see uh, residential buildings homes collapsing or commercial buildings collapsing. When we do see a lot of agricultural buildings fail without seeing other buildings fail, that is just an indication that engineering has been largely ignored. Understand that, you know, I'm a registered professional engineer. We do have a number of engineers that are certainly qualified to design agricultural buildings. We're very familiar with them. Work for companies that build agricultural buildings and they'll design those buildings in accordance with the building code. And it's one of those things that gets questioned frequently by a lot of people and they'll say, well, agricultural buildings aren't designed to the same load standards and that's why they fail. Well, that's not true. Engineers, all the engineers I know that work for these companies design those buildings in accordance with the building codes. The problem is, is that when they're not structurally engineered, there's typically some kind of a, what I call a weak link in the design. And these buildings are actually fairly complex structural systems. And it just takes a weak link in one particular area sometimes to cause a catastrophic failure, a chain reaction collapse where we get a particular element that hasn't been properly braced, it'll buckle. It might be a truss web member that hasn't been properly braced and it buckles. And once it buckles, that truss fails. And when that truss fails, the one next to it fails and it goes boom, 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 all the way down the line and we see the whole building come down. So frequently when we see failures, it usually is uh, one of those sorts of failures where a single element hasn't been properly braced. And when it's not properly braced, it typically maybe can only take 25% or 50 15% of the load that people thought it could take. It's frustrating from the perspective that these building failures don't need to occur. If people would just, I would say, put a little bit of extra money into proper engineering, and I'm talking about a very small amount of money, they will actually save you more money than they will cost you. see a lot of buildings that go up that aren't engineered, and certain elements are way over-designed, and other elements are under-designed. There's this improper balance, and the over-designed components, yeah, they're fine, but you're paying all this extra money for them, and yet you have built in all these weak links into the system, these under-designed components that are going to cause that whole big building to fail. So get somebody in there that knows what they're doing, that gives you this nice balanced design, and you won't have these failures.
that are very common in the agricultural industry. One of the main reasons that this occurs is that agricultural buildings are exempt from building codes in most of the states. And that's a historic thing. And it wasn't really an issue when we had smaller agricultural buildings. But now that we have large buildings, in my opinion, we should never exempt agricultural buildings from the code, those large buildings, they should all have to be properly engineered. You know, I can understand people that say, I want to be able to do what I want to do. If I don't want to engineer it, um, I should have, you know, that say. You know, and I think to a certain extent, I can't argue necessarily against that. But on the flip side of it, if it's endangering people, it's endangering employees that don't have that particular say, and that's becoming more and more the case as buildings get bigger, you're talking about bigger operations, you're talking about a lot more employees, you're talking about a lot more employees in that building at the time that collapse is likely. And so the one thing I would say to farmers, if you're considering building a new building, especially a large building, just make sure that it is properly structurally engineered. And there's a lot of people that say, oh yeah, we engineered your building. And it really truly hasn't been. They're talking about maybe a truss that's been designed to take a certain load and that truss hasn't been installed properly. It hasn't been braced properly. So regardless of what people tell you, that building's not going to take the load that people have basically told you when they sold it to you that it is going to take. And that's an issue. So when people are thinking about constructing these new buildings, are there different things to be thinking of for agriculture structures versus residential that these farmers should be aware of or specific contractors or engineers to be reaching out to compared to others? Homes and residential buildings by and large are small buildings. And so we typically won't see snow loads. And there's a couple of different things going on here. There is a special code for residential buildings. It's a different code than we use for commercial buildings like agricultural buildings. Those commercial building codes, codes that would apply to agricultural buildings if they weren't exempted, it really requires structural engineers to do the structural design work to make sure that that larger building is going to be able to withstand all those forces that are applied to it. And that's not only snow, that's wind. It's seismic forces if you're in earthquake zones. There's a certain amount of what we call dead loads. There's loads due to the use and occupancy of the building. You know, depending upon what you're putting into that building, it's going to apply some loads. Those are all taken into account by the structural engineer. On residential buildings, the residential code that applies is what we call a prescriptive code. It really comes in and it says, okay, if your floor, for example, is spanning this distance, the support members should be this large. It tells you exactly how large each structural component should be. It tells you how to put them together. It prescribes all the elements, specifies them for you. So we are actually, in effect, taking the engineer out of it, which isn't necessarily a problem if you have really small structures. There is a big difference, therefore, between residential buildings and agricultural buildings. What maintenance can be done throughout the year that farmers can do for these farm buildings to help prevent any structural damage when it comes to winter? There are a lot of things that go on in especially animal confinement facilities that will degrade and deteriorate the building fairly rapidly in some cases. For example, if you have a metal plate connected wood truss, and there are a lot of those in our freestall barns, those 
plates on those trusses are being subjected to a lot of moisture and condensation and it'll be on there and maybe in the morning it'll disappear maybe in the afternoon as things warm up and then it's back again depends upon outside weather conditions along with that moisture there's a lot of off-gassing of ammonia of sulfur dioxide there's different gases being off-gassed by manure and those tend to be very corrosive once those gases basically mix with the moisture contents in the air and can condense onto those plates you're getting basically and acid on those plates that enhance corrosion. It's just that constant cycling and, and corrosion, which occurs fairly rapidly in certain locations, especially near like an open ridge of these animal confinement facilities. If you look up at those plates and you see that they're corroding or that some of them have even started to fail, you need to get in there. You need to reinforce that joint. You know, there are ways to get around that. I mean, and it's occurring more and more, and that is, is that we don't use metal plate connected wood trusses as much as we used to in these large animal confinement facilities. We use what we call laminated veneer lumber rafters and different components that we can use in place of those metal plate connected trusses. A lot of trade-offs, but they're good trade-offs in that we typically are making a more durable building. That was David Bonhoff, professional engineer and emeritus professor of structural building construction engineering at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. To learn more about ways to properly ensure your buildings are safe, you can contact him at 608-577-7130. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Charity Seebecker. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Hey, Wisconsin farmers, you know that when it comes to corn success, it's yield first and everything else second. And in 2022 independent trials, Dairyland Seed brought the yield like no other all across the Badger State. We're talking 45 top five finishes, 24 top three finishes, and 12 first place finishes. So when you're making the critical decision on what to plant this year, look no further than the seed proven to outperform Dairyland Seed. Find the corn hybrids bringing the most yield in your area at DairylandSeed.com. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Let our family help your family. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, <laughs> our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. 
Ham is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, and this morning, everybody is speaking about the weather. I think it's kind of a fractured conversation, to be quite honest, happening across the state. Time to check in on weather. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, joining us on a Thursday morning. And I'll tell you what, buddy, really, it does depend where you are in Wisconsin. I mean, some people are seeing tremendous amounts of snow load. Other folks are facing more ice. What do you notice? Pam, I noticed there's a big difference in how this storm worked around Wisconsin. Of course, not a big difference in the amount of precipitation. I'm just looking at two points. Madison, 4,200ths of an inch of precipitation yesterday. La Crosse, 4,900ths of an inch. Madison only saying an inch and a half of snow. La Crosse, six and a half inches of snow, but a lot more moisture at Madison. Things are going to be slippery nonetheless, and the strong winds hold out for today. So a little blowing of that new snow, some drifting and the like. It's going to make it still another pretty wintry day that's in store. Low pressure moving up toward Iowa, northwest Illinois this morning. will push further north and east today. It's still going to mean some precipitation. The next band is building northeast from northern Iowa, southeast Minnesota, western Wisconsin. That's going to push north up through Wisconsin. So for areas in south central or southeast parts of Wisconsin, maybe not so much more precipitation today, but we'll still have some pretty strong winds. Count on that. And with the winds, the temperatures are going to stay a little cool again, not unlike yesterday. Although maybe a degree or two warmer, that could lead to a possibility of a little fog as we head toward midday. Something different, well, that could be just enough to freeze onto windows and the like. But the system is starting to pull away from the state. It's still got to cross through the southern part of Wisconsin. But once it makes its way further off to the east and northeast, we're on the back side. We're going to start to dry things out. In fact, I expect sunshine to return as we look toward Friday and into Saturday. And those temperatures, even though they get a little colder, they start to turn around, moderating again by Saturday and Sunday, back to above normal in the upper 30s, maybe closing in on 40 Sunday. But just like that, it gets more mild, and the next chance of a little snow edging in later Sunday into Monday. Could be some rain in the south on Monday with some fairly mild air as well. Going to do a number on the snow pack we've built up here as we've made our way through about the last 20. Four hours. I'll have our forecast details right after this. At Compier Financial, we're defined by you, your hopes for the future as well as what you need today. As a local member-owned cooperative, you shape how we serve agriculture and rural communities. As a partner and part of your community, we're here for you with personalized service and expertise you can rely on. Contact your local Compier Financial team at 844-426-6733 or visit compierrecom slash you for your lending and other financial needs. Compier Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. I look at this dairy cow, and again, it's the animal that I love. The things that this dairy cow can do and the way that she can produce milk, to me, there is no substitute for milk in the world. And to be able to keep cows and help cows produce that for people to me, that's a privilege. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. 
The winter storm warning continues until noon for everybody in central and eastern Wisconsin. A winter weather advisory in the Madison area and south. Keep that one in mind. I do expect during the day we'll have cloudy skies, snow showers, a little freezing rain, some sleet, maybe even a little fog as we head toward midday. Snow amounts east and south could be another inch, maybe two. Lacrosse, maybe an inch if we see some. That's about it. Otherwise, look for temps in the low 30s today and when gradually becoming east and then northwest later on 5 to 15 still gusting near 30 a little stronger wind gusts in eastern wisconsin near 35 overnight some light snow ending mostly cloudy we drop down the low single digits below zero at mauston and lacrosse west winds will be around 5 to 15 partly sunny on friday we'll be back up to about 20 some upper teens too northwest winds 5 to 15 will be a bit gusty become east later on saturday mostly sunny Low 30s, southwest winds at 5 to 10, even upper 30s on Sunday, but some snow, maybe more likely a little rain as we look toward Monday. Sounds like weather continues to change, continuing to be active. Good luck with all of your cleanup operations and, and trying to get driveways open and the like. There's a lot of snow to move, and it could get a bit more slick as we head through today, Pam, so we still have to watch for changes even as we head on through this Thursday. Yep, another very interesting weather day on the way. Thanks, Stu. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist with Weather Details. The weather we're experiencing outside is exactly why the U.S. Championship Cheese event uh, kind of stepped it up yesterday. We're talking with one of their assistant judges, not only about the event itself, but also looking for the next generation of that cheese judging talent. That, along with a conversation with Katie Burgess from Everag, still on the way your Thursday. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Wisconsin Farm Bureau leadership opportunities have benefited me in multiple ways. Right now, I'm a member of the Farm Bureau Leadership Institute, and I always thought I was a good public speaker. And then we went through some of that training in our very first session, and I had these aha moments that I'm going to use when I am promoting agriculture to consumer groups. WFBF.com. You should reach out to them. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. When it comes to custom wedding rings, get to know your Denny's Jeweler. Denny's Jewelers does offer affordable custom wedding bands. Whether it be gold, silver, diamonds, gemstones, platinum, you bring your wedding band idea and we'll point you in the right direction. We'll show you all the options. I am Sarah Denny Alexander. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. My folks like the prices and the people. 
Is fatigue and lack of libido keeping you on the injured reserve list? It could be symptoms of low testosterone. After the age of 30, men begin to notice this reduction in quality of life due to natural hormonal decline. But there is something you can do about it. Carbon World Health offers custom-designed hormone replacement treatment. They'll determine if you need testosterone replacement or growth hormone therapy. Don't let low T keep you on the bench. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. They say yes to seven straight days. A traveling dress rehearsal for you to get comfortable in the seat and feel the power behind the smartest purchase you've ever made. The seven day, no questions asked return policy, if you need it, at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Are you a non-union construction tradesperson proud of what you do? Did you know you're worth so much more than what you're bringing home today? Put the power of Lyuna Union Labor to work for you. When you join Lyuna, you get the pay you deserve, plus pension and health care benefits above and beyond your compensation. That's zero deductions for pension and health care benefits with Lyuna because you're worth it. Learn more at lyunawisconsin.org slash join. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Collini Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank, your local independent bank. We are the premier provider of commercial, treasury, mortgage, and private banking services. Our team blends experience with the latest technology to make banking easier. We provide the advice and solutions you need. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Aaron Rodgers, of who he was throwing to for the most of his career, and now there's a big to-do about getting weapons, and Rodgers might not even be back with the Packers. Who's Rodgers throwing to? Devontae Adams? Uh, and then who? MVS? Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard? The ghost of Randall Cobb? <laughs> and before that, I mean, when Rodgers, the Sports Illustrated cover, right? When he first started, that was now that's a collection of talent. Like when you think of Aaron Rodgers' career, you think of the early parts where the Packers just started having success, and you had the likes of Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, uh, James Jones, Jordy Nelson. Then he eventually got Randall Cobb the next year after that Super Bowl. Like those were good players. There's oh, yeah. no doubt about that. But that was also when Aaron Rodgers was putting up some of the best years in NFL history when, you know, you're throwing for nearly 50 touchdowns. Yeah. 
Then you look to the middle of his career, the big chunk in the middle. It's like, okay, you had an aging Jordy. You no longer had Jennings or James Jones. You no longer had Jermichael Finley or Donald Driver. And it was like Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson for uh, in that chunk. And then it was basically just Devontae Adams. Like, there's nothing more that can probably better describe the Green Bay Packers and the lack of weapons than remember that Hail Mary in the playoff game to Jeff Janis to Jeff Janis in Arizona where they were trotting out oh I remember Jeff Janis who was a seventh round pick Janis rises the there was James the ancient Jones remains of James Jones with the hoodie. In his hoodie they had Jared Aberderis. Jared Aberderis who couldn't stay healthy like those were like the top three wide receivers and oh yeah by the way at that same time they never had any good tight ends. Yeah. Remember, after Jermichael Finley, they were searching for a great who, tight end. Who did we talk ever. about yesterday? Andrew Corliss. Yeah. We he were, had chosen one on his. And he was anything but. His, his claim to fame is he was firing off a gun trying to impress some women outside a parking but ramp in, in Florida. Think about that after Jermichael Finley. You had years didn't where work like, out for him. your top two tight ends were Andrew Corliss, and they were like Richard Rodgers. Yeah, Dick Rodgers with the Motown Again, miracle. another another. Hail Mary completed to a guy that was like fringe NFL roster. I think he caught on with the Eagles for a little bit, but again, good memory. Yeah. Very briefly. um, Yeah. You look at, you look at the fact that they had no tight ends and then remember they tried the one year experiment with Martellus. Oh, that one's terrible. Then you had the signing of Jimmy Graham who played like terrible, maybe two good games in the entire time. His one good game was what against the Seahawks in the playoffs. You had Jared cook for one year who was was extremely talented, but that year he was out for like half the season with nagging injuries. Then you remember the toe tap. Oh yeah. But outside of like the toe tap, do you really remember much of Jared Cook? He was only healthy for like half the year. It's just the Dallas Cowboys toe tap. Y- you've literally been juggling and looking for a great tight end basically since Jermichael Finley broke vertebras in his neck. Yeah. And that's been like a decade ago. And it's still an issue now for the Packers. Like, and now, it's still an issue. Bob Tunyon had what, like a year and a half where he really flashed? Yep. And then the knee injury yep. and he really ACL. hasn't flashed since? Yep. Mercedes Lewis was... He's good for like three awesome catches and maybe a touchdown where people lose their minds on Twitter, and that's about it. Mercedes Lewis is a shell of what he was in Jacksonville when he was in his prime. I mean, you really haven't had any tight end play or great consistent tight end play. And then again, you're that middle patch of his career where he was at the heights of his powers as one of the best quarterbacks year in and year out, doing it with those type of players. Then at the end of his career, yeah, Devontae Adams was one of the best wide receivers in football, but outside of that, it was pretty lean. It was like, well, maybe Alan Lazard is a number three wide receiver. Think about this for the Packers, Maybe NVS is a three. Aaron Rodgers, as he's in his prime, just dragging a big hog everywhere he goes. What's the one thing? The Packers need to get him more weapons. The Packers need to get him more weapons. The Packers need to get him more weapons. What do they do? They don't. They don't do it. Well, I mean, think even and if now he, what's the talk about Rodgers who comes back? Well, now we need to get him weapons. Well, he's at the twilight of his career. The one thing I'll say about Green Bay that they did a really good job in almost his entire career is putting a pretty solid offensive line around him. Yes, now, he's I always been protected. There those. was a year or two in there where the line was down, but for the most part, he's always had pretty solid lines. Correct. But you look at that middle part where he was really at his best, where you could argue from 2000, the end of 2010, 11, where they won the Super Bowl to the 11-12 season where they went 15-1. and one. From basically then to 2017 where you had 2017-18 where you had the toe tap. Yep. Aaron Rodgers was arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL every single year and he was doing it really without any tight end play. Really with outside of like maybe one receiver anyone that was any better than a three. And then you look at the running backs. 
they were searching for running backs for a long time after Amon Green. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, I appreciate you being along with me on a crazy Thursday morning. You know, I really sympathize for you folks that are from Camp Douglas North. I mean, they're talking better than a foot of snow when this uh, snowstorm is all said and done through the day today. So no matter where you're going to the south, it's ice around the Madison area. It's even kind of a mix, but just exercise caution. And uh, you can always use our talk text line and let me know what's happening in your backyard. Remember that number anytime you want. Call it or text it. 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. I'm Pam Yankee. Really glad you made the time to join us. It is the 23rd day of February. Let's see. On this day, back in uh, 1455, the Gutenberg Bible was published. The first book ever printed in movable type. On this day, back in 1455. On this day in 1954, the first mass inoculation against polio is conducted. And I bet a lot of you have stories about polio in your life, in your family's life. It all started with virologist Jonas Salk's vaccine, one of the two versions still used today. Again, that's on this day back in 1954. On this day in 1864, Father Samuel Mazzuchelli died. He formed Wisconsin's first teaching sisterhood, the Cincinnati Dominican Sisters. That basic group of people still doing work in southwest Wisconsin. Uh, they also are still very connected to agriculture, the Cincinnati Dominican Sisters. They lost their leader on this day back in 1864. And happy birthday to actress Dakota Fanning. She is 28 years young. Most of us probably remember her as a seven-year-old when she starred in I Am Sam. And now you know. Well, we'll know later today who the champions are at the United States Championship Cheese Contest, wrapping up today at the Rush Expo Center in Green Bay. Now, they wrapped up judging yesterday so that judges and some of the volunteers could try to make it home. I caught up with one of the judges that was very, very busy trying to get through that load of work. His name? Tim Sismowski. He's the assistant chief judge that was trying to keep everything organized, and he's been a part of this competition for quite a little while, and he's seen this competition grow. Well, over the over the growth period of 28 years, uh, I do, uh, it's, it's like a lot of things in life. When it happens slowly, you, you don't notice it so much, but when you stop and think and then look back, mm-hmm. uh, it's incredible to look at the growth that's happened because uh, when you mentioned 1995, my first year, um, there were eight judges and there was a, a chief judge. And uh, we were in the back uh, room of Lovett Creamery here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and we were judging on, on a stack of pallets. So uh, this contest has changed tremendously. Uh, and as it's growing, certainly the uh, the cheese industry has grown in uh, the consumption of how much cheese is consumed in, in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the types of cheeses. What categories were you overseeing this year in Green Bay, Tim? Well, there were uh, there were many of them because uh, the contest, has, as you said, 2,249 entries, uh, 118 classes of cheese, and, uh, you know, the creativity open classes has been tremendous. We see new cheeses every year and, uh, you know, the skill set required to, to 
to, to evaluate that number of classes. Um, we now have 41 judges, and uh, I do serve as assistant chief judge. And we have uh, four assistant chief judges here this year, along with our chief judge, uh, Jim Miller. And uh, so there's uh, five of us in leadership, and we oversee the 41 judges and in, in like you said, the, uh, the expertise needed for 118 different classes and hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of cheeses, um, there is a wide range of knowledge that's needed uh, in order to do that evaluation. Yeah, indeed. Again, if you're just joining us, this is Assistant Chief Judge Tim Szymowski. He is up at in Green Bay at the U.S. Championship Cheese event that will conclude officially Thursday at about 2 p.m. with the announcement of champions. Let's talk a little bit about that, uh, I, I want to say, generational knowledge that you guys are working on, passing on up in Green Bay and then throughout any calendar year. Give me a little perspective, Tim, at the audience you're looking at when it comes to the judges that are familiar with this contest and the varieties that they're uh, astute in, and then trying to fill the blanks for the future. I mean, just like everybody in agriculture, some of our history is getting ready to retire out. You're right. Uh, it's, it's critical, uh, just as it is in anything that you want to carry on into the future, you have to have a plan for succession. And we do obviously think about that every year. Um, this year, we incorporated five brand new judges into uh, the mix. And uh, along with the other 36 that are the old hands, if you will. Uh, but the five new judges come to us uh, from uh, some of them have 10, 15, 20 years of judging uh, experience already. Uh, but this is the first time they've made it to, so to speak, kind of the Super Bowl of events, the uh, the national championship, the U.S. championship cheese contest. So uh, when we sprinkle those folks in with uh, the rest, and we have uh, professionals from industry, we have many uh, folks that are uh, research and in academia, the university professors, and we have judges that are from about 30 years old, uh, well into the 70s. And uh, normally our former uh, uh, chief judges attend too. Uh, and one of them is in his uh, 80s and the other one is in his 90s. And he can still judge cheese with the best of them. But uh, as we look to the future, um, we have to bring the average age of our judging team down just like the industry has to bring leaders in and intertwine them into uh, their businesses so that this this tremendous industry carries on. It's a growing industry. It's a great opportunity for anybody that is thinking about a, a, an opportunity or a career in agriculture. Um, we eat cheese and dairy morning, noon, and night, and cheese continues to grow. In fact, I call it cheese-tastic. I'll agree with you there. Again, that's one of the assistant chief judges at the U.S. Championship Cheese Contest. They concluded judging yesterday. Today at 2 p.m. Central, they'll make the announcement of the champions. They'll be posting that on their website, uschampioncheese.org, as well as their Facebook page, U.S. Championship Cheese. Thanks again to Tim Szymowski for taking time out of his schedule to chat. 
All right, let's chat quickly about uh, Katie Burgess on the way from Everag. Milk production figures released for the month of January. That came out yesterday. She's going to underscore some of the points we need to watch. Yesterday in Chicago, the 40-pound block cheese and double-A butter both stood unchanged. Barrel cheese was up a penny and three-quarters to $1.60. As far as the other commodities were concerned, December corn finished four and a half cents lower at five ninety-two. November soybeans were down three and a half at thirteen. Ninety-five and a half, and July wheat dropped twelve and a quarter to seven fifty-six and a half. Fluid milk contracts are also trending lower. March milk down four at seventeen eighty. April milk down fourteen at seventeen ninety-three. hundred weight. Hey, a couple quick deadlines I want to remind you about. Already next week is going to be March first. Can you believe it? That is the deadline. If your farm or home is celebrating 100 or 150 years in the same family, you might want to be recognized as a century or sesquicentennial farm and home at the Wisconsin State Fair, but you need to fill out that application by March 1st. We have a downloadable version on our website now, Midwest farmreport.com. You'll see it in the space where we're sharing century and sesquicentennial stories. Again, midwestfarmreport.com. While you're there, you might want to listen to my conversation with Sue Schultz from the Wisconsin Rural Opportunities Foundation. How can we keep kids coming back to rural communities? That's one of the goals of the Wisconsin Rural Opportunities Foundation, which actually started during the Great Depression. They want to encourage people to get an education and then come back to the rural communities of Wisconsin. Really nice premier scholarships that are available. Find out more. Listen to my conversation with Sue Schultz on our website or go to WROF.org. WROF.org and you'll find the application there. So March 1st, suddenly kind of critical for a lot of different programs that might be looking for your application. I am looking for our friend Katie Burgess. She is one of the broker managers with Everag. Yesterday was a big day for our dairy managers. Found out how milk production is trending for January of 2023. What's Wisconsin doing? Talking about that all next with Katie Burgess. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When we first came to Midwest Family Madison with the rebrand of Stone Trailers, we were really trying to ramp up our recruiting efforts. We wanted something fresh and creative that would draw in an audience that would want to work for us. It is important to us at Stone Trailers to have a diverse workforce and we worked with our Midwest Family Madison Hispanic radio station and our bilingual recruiter to really make that happen in a short amount of time. When we started our campaign our goal was to reach 300 new employees. We exceeded that goal by 25 percent with the help of Midwest Family Madison. We can share with everyone else that we do appreciate our employees and we want them to continue to succeed. To build a custom recruitment strategy for your business, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com. It feels great to see the growth that we've accomplished over the last year. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flabs. Carbon World Health offers MSculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. 
melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. MSculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. If she's not milking the cows, she's talking about them. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Yep, and we got to say salute to all of the folks that are out there milking the cows, feeding the cows, taking care of the calves, pushing feed, getting ready to move manure. That includes our livestock producers and, of course, a lot of folks that got baby lambs, maybe little pigs. It's a busy time on the farm, and this weather is not making for a very friendly Thursday. But I'll tell you what is friendly, the face of Katie Burgess. She's along with us from Everag, one of their broker analysts, and Katie, on uh, Thursday morning, we've got a lot to talk about. What did we get yesterday? USDA milk report for the month. Is that correct? That's correct. Yesterday, USDA released the January data in terms of milk production. We saw U.S. milk production as a whole up 1.3%. And across the country, cow numbers grew by 9,000 head. Here in Wisconsin, we we're running a little bit ahead of that at one milk production up 1.6%. And the Midwest as a whole was the strongest growth region in the U.S. I think that ties back to the fact that it had been a pretty mild January compared to the weather we've had over the past few weeks. But weather was pretty good. Talked of a lot of milk to the west of here. So especially in South Dakota, northwest Iowa, western Minnesota, seeing a lot of milk out of that part of the world. And when we talk to our contacts across the industry, they tell us they're continuing to see a lot of milk out there. Hmm. Interesting. We had just talked last week with Ryan Yonkman, and he said watching heifer numbers, a different picture. A lot of farms continuing to sell off those heifers, but those areas were Pacific Northwest, uh, Southwest. What did those regions show as far as milk production in January, Katie? Yeah, when we take a look at it, So the one I was watching really carefully for the report was California, because California had been hammered with rain during the month of January. A lot of their cows live outside, so it was a bit of a muddy mess there. But their milk production came in flat. When we look at the Pacific Northwest, up only 1%, so a little bit behind trend. We see states like Washington continue to struggle. Also, growth has slowed down in the Southwest. And then when we look east of us, like the Northeast and mid up and Midwest, so Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, up about 2%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all in all, the Midwest has been driving the growth, but you're right that we don't have a ton of extra heifers out there. We have seen slaughter rates to kick off the year be quite high as well, because I think as we're watching markets lately, we look at feed costs that are still quite expensive, milk prices that have unfortunately been falling, and those on-farm margins are definitely getting squeezed, which has led to an uptick in slaughter rates. Now, typically at this time of the year, Katie, we know we're starting to build for what we dairy kids call the spring flush. We get a lot of cows that might be calving in the the next 60 days or so. Is that still sticking to pattern, or is 2023 going to be some kind of different anomaly? No, uh, we still expect to see that happen. And so as we look toward the months ahead, 
We still expect that milk will peak seasonally. Typically, that happens in May. And so we're sitting in a place right now where we're already hearing about a lot of milk. We're already hearing about warehouses filling up with product. And we've got a lot of runway ahead of us before we hit peak milk production. What about international movement of products? Have you seen any numbers recently? I mean, I get the big press releases about how 2022 was so fantastic for U.S. dairy exports. But that's yesterday's news. I'm wondering if we're seeing any of that export flow continue in 2023. That is true. When we look across the world, so New Zealand just released new milk production data this week. They were positive. It was their strongest growth since 2021. So seeing a little bit more milk out of New Zealand. Also, when we take a look at Europe, European milk production has been pretty strong. So similar to the U.S., Europe had record high milk prices last year. So producers responded by making more milk. And so the U.S. is definitely facing headwinds when it comes to international competition that we've especially been hearing lately that Europe has been pretty aggressively selling in the international markets. And so I think for the year ahead, our exports are going to be good. They're just not going to be great. And in a world where we have more and more milk, we really need those great numbers to help keep milk prices where farmers would like to see them. Absolutely. If you're just joining us, Katie Burgess, one of the broker analysts with EverAg, is along with us. As she said, uh, milk production for the month of January, probably a little bit stronger than what we might have expected in Wisconsin above trend. Uh, Katie, I can't remember, did you say as far as Wisconsin's dairy herd, are we holding flat as far as cow numbers or did we join the others by adding on a few? You know, when we look at where cow numbers are for January, Wisconsin was actually down 3,000 head compared to the prior year. So compared to January of last year. And when we look at the monthly trends, we see that we actually, we had been losing a few cows, um, And so our herd has not been growing here like we've been seeing in other places. The growth has more been in places like South Dakota um, or Iowa. Right. Well, but our our per cow production, I mean, our dairy producers here in Wisconsin just doing a fantastic job. Now, you mentioned about feed costs, squeezed margins, especially as we get into spring flush. Are you getting a lot of clients that are reaching out as far as risk management tools are concerned, Katie? Because I really do worry that uh, there's, there's not a lot of... There's not a lot of elasticity in that budget, Mm -hmm. you know. We came into calendar year 2023 pretty good, but we don't want to give it all away in the first quarter. We definitely have been. I would say that two things producers should be keeping an eye on. So taking a look at DRP insurance, it's been very popular because it helps you set the price floor. So it protects you if markets fall. But if we rebound, then you get all the upside. Right now, the deadline for buying Q2 insurance, so that'll be for April through June, is coming up on March 15th. And the cost to do that is now less than 20 cents a hundredweight. So we've been seeing people look at that. And for producers out there who are signed up for dairy margin coverage via FSA, they should start seeing some payments from that program kicking in here soon as well. All right. Well, good advice. We appreciate it. Katie, how can the folks get a hold of you guys at Everag if they need a little extra guidance or have some questions that are unresolved? Yeah, we would be happy to talk to anyone. Just give us a call. Our number is 608-249-5030 or check out our website, ever.ag. Katie, you're a sweetie. Appreciate you joining us on a Thursday morning. Take care of yourself. We'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks.
All right, Katie Burgess with the, I guess we'd say the cutting edge news, that milk production report issued yesterday afternoon, and now you're ahead of the game on a Thursday. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, though, as far as getting around the state of Wisconsin is concerned. A lot of winter weather advisories still in effect through the day today. We'll see if we can scratch and claw our ways in 